Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's good to get to share with you. It is always a privilege to do so. And um, we have been looking for the past um, few weeks now, we've started a new series, and we are looking at the attributes of God seen in Christ Jesus. And um, for those who haven't been around or who, who don't know, or um, to be honest, just as a refresher, which I find helpful for me personally, um, the attributes of God, of God are essentially what he is like. Um, they are descriptions of what he's like. Um, and the amazing and difficult thing about looking at the attributes of God is that when you start looking at them, you should get some answers to some questions. But he's so massive and he's so big and he's so amazing that often, at least for me, my brain just gets fried. <laughs> just because we're talking about God, not a person. Yeah. So when I say that God is loving, that's so monumentally different from the way that I'm loving. Yeah. Or when I say he's faithful, that's so monumentally different from the way I am faithful. Yeah. He is so much better. He's so much far above. He's so much greater when we talk about what he is like. And so I'm just going to put it out there straight away that everything I say will fall completely short of what God is actually like. But I do my best <laughs> by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. So, um. So a few weeks ago, David came and he started us off on the series and he took us through the seven signs in John where we looked at these different signs and what they showed us about what Jesus was like. And then Emma last week, I think, because I was in with the kids, but picked up about God's faithfulness. Yes, yes come on, there we go. And she talked about how faithful God is, what his faithfulness is like. And I'm going to pick up on another um, just individual um, uh uh, attribute of, of Jesus, of, of God found in Christ, um, but um, it's, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a clue, it's a mix between quite a lot of different attributes, it's only seen, so when you guys think about what God is like, throw out some, uh, some attributes for me, things that you know that God is like, even if you can't explain them and all that, just one word, how would you describe God? Sovereign. Whoa, 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 okay, right, <laughs> sovereign, someone said merciful, great, any others? Holy. Powerful. Powerful. Any others? Just keep going. Gracious. Gracious. I want to see if you find the one that I'm going to talk about today. Because my, my thesis is that it's quite an understated attribute of God that doesn't get talked about too much. So we'll see. See. Yeah. Jealous. Jealous. He is jealous, but that's not the one I'm going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Holy. Holy, yes. Merciful, yes. Indescribable, yes. <laughs> Patient. Patient, yes. Loving, yes. Comforting. Comforting, yes. All these different descriptions. I'm going to talk today about God's kindness. Oh. And uh, you got, everybody's going to say it, but they don't, do they? Come on. Um, and the reason I think that kindness is often an overlooked attribute of God is because I don't think it's very well understood in the world like when we talk about God's love although God's love is so much greater than um than ours and it's so different than ours I think love is still something that's really valued in the world it's something that people want and so it, it's it's something that people think about whereas I think kindness is sometimes um looked down on you know people who are kind are considered often 
pushovers, walkovers, you know. The reason that you're kind is because you're not strong enough to be strong, you know. Or, and there's, there's all these different aspects to kindness which I think make it a bit looked down on. But God um, refers to himself as kind all through the scripture. All through the scripture. In fact, one of the most translated words, one of the most um, in-depth words in Hebrew for love, one of the deepest um, words is hesed, this word hesed. And that, when you read in the scriptures, is translated time and time and time and time and time again as loving kindness. And it's one of these aspects of God where he really tries to convey to his people that this is what he's like. And so we're going to have a look at that today. So, again, put it out to you guys. When you think of the word kind, how would you describe the word kind? If you think of somebody who's kind, what are they like? Gone out of their way to do something. Yeah, they've gone out of the way to do something. Mm-hmm. Willing to share. Sorry, willing, willing to, to share. Willing to share, yeah. Caring, Caring yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Loving, yeah. Giving. Giving, yeah. yeah. Selfless. Selfless, yeah, good. Um, the definition in the scripture that we find of um, kindness is that it's a state of being that includes the attributes. So it, it's made up of quite a few different attributes of loving affection, sympathy, friendliness, patience, pleasantness, gentleness and goodness. Kindness is a quality shown in the way a person speaks and acts and is more volitional than emotional. So kindness is shown. Kindness is felt because of what people do and show. I'm not kind because I feel kind. I'm kind because of the way that I live, yeah. because of what I do, because of what I show. It's not that my. Uh, it's not necessarily that I'm. I'm kind and that um, works its way out. It's more that my kindness is shown by the way I live my life, mm. and so. With God, he shows time and time again that he's kind. And one of the ways, one of the places in the scripture where you see God's kindness so clearly is all throughout Israel's history. Because one of the places where kindness is shown so obviously is when people don't deserve it. (laughs) Kindness is shown, and this I think is why kindness sometimes is looked down on and thought of as weakness is because so often kindness is shown to people who don't deserve it. And in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9, I'm going to read from verses 17 to 31. So a bit of a chunk. In fact, I'm going to read from verse 16. Stick another one in there. Why not? So if you want to turn there, it's uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, and Psalms. So around there. So it says from verse 16, but our ancestors were proud and stubborn. This is um, speak, Nehemiah speaking of uh, Israel. And they paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you'd done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them, even when they made an idol shaped like a calf and said, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. They committed terrible blasphemies. But in your great mercy, you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness. 
The pillar of cloud still led them forward by day, and the pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. You sent your good spirit to instruct them, and you did not stop giving them their ma- the manna from heaven or water for thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Then you helped our ancestors conquer kingdoms and nations. You placed your people in every corner of the land. They took over the land. The king of Shion and Hezbon and the king of Og of Bashan, you made their descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and brought them into the land that you promised their ancestors. They went in and took possession of the land. You subdued whole nations before them. Even the Canaanites who inhabited the land were powerless. Your people could deal with these nations and their kings as they pleased. Our ancestors captured fortified cities and a fertile land. They took over houses full of good things with cisterns already dug and vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. And so they ate until they were uh, full and grew fat and enjoyed themselves in all your blessings. There we go. If you eat until you're fat, you're just enjoying the blessings of the Lord. Anyway, that's a side note. But despite all this, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who warned them to return to you. And they committed terrible blasphemies. So you handed them over to their enemies who made them suffer. But in their time of trouble, they cried to you and you heard from heaven. And in your great mercy, you sent them liberators who rescued them from their enemies. But as soon as they were at peace, your people again committed evil in your sight. And once more, you let their enemies conquer them. Yet whenever your people turned and cried to you again for help, you listened once more from heaven. In your wonderful mercy, you rescued them many times. You warned them not to return to your law. But they became proud and obstinate and disobeyed your commands. They did not follow your regulations by which people will find life if they only obey. They stubbornly turned their backs on you and refused to listen. In your love, you were patient with them for many years. You sent your spirit who warned them through the prophets, but still they wouldn't listen. So once again, you allowed the peoples of your land, uh, of, of the land to conquer them. But in your great mercy, you did not destroy them completely or abandon them forever. What a gracious and merciful God you are. When it, and you might think, well, where's the word kindness in all of that? Well, actually, that word mercy is that word hesed, loving kindness. There's so many words this is translated into because as I read right at the beginning, you can't really describe kindness in one word. And so the, the translators of the Bible, they're trying to find the most appropriate word each time that it talks about. But this word loving kindness, your loving kindness was towards your people is used time and time again. And what I love about these verses is that I think sometimes kindness can only be seen over time. Because you find yourself in one circumstance and you go, God, how can you be kind right now? Look at what I'm going through. Can you not see what we get? You know, when you read through the worst, in here you're talking about some of the worst times that Israel went through. Some uh, self-inflicted and, and, and some uh, other, other times not so much. But... They find themselves in this situation and they're going, God, where are you? And they get to a place where they finally cry out for God, to God. And every single time they cry out, he rescues them. Amen. Because this is what God is like. Yeah. And when we find ourselves in a situation and we're going, God, where are you? It's sometimes only when we get through that situation that we can look back and say, you're so kind. Yeah. 
You're so good. You're so loving. Or it might be that we have to turn back and go, do you know what? That's not how I would have liked to have seen your kindness. But I can see your kindness dotted through this whole story of how you've taken me through, how you've led me through all these different ways. And um, the great thing, wonderful thing about the kindness of God is that it's supposed to lead to repentance. When we, when, again, you talk to the, if you look at the world and what they think about God and what he's like, often it's this idea of like a, a man in heaven, really angry, waiting for you to make mistakes and all this kind of thing. And, and, you know, it's God judging and it's God being angry with you that's supposed to make you scared of him and then eventually you turn to him. No, 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 no. Romans 2, um, verse 4, tells us really, really plainly Romans 2, verse 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's his kindness. It's his love. It's his generosity. It's his mercy that makes us turn to him and go, God, thank you. You're so good. I don't want to live like that anymore. Not because I'm scared, but because I love you. I mean, you see this, uh, I'll speak for myself. You could see this with me as a kid, right? Just because I was afraid of my parents and getting punished didn't mean I did. All that made me was smarter, okay? Because it made me think about ways to get away with the stuff that I wanted to do. Because it didn't really change my heart. It made me afraid of getting in trouble. But when I turn to God and realise, look how kind you are, all of a sudden, I'm not trying to get away with all this stuff. Instead, I'm going, God, I want to be kind to you because you've been kind to me. I want to live this way because, first of all, I realise all this stuff, because you're so kind, I realise all this stuff is doing me wrong. It's not good for me. That's why you don't want me to live like this, is because you don't want my life to be destroyed by it. And then I want to show my love to God because of his kindness. And I don't want to live like this, even when some of it seems fun and interesting. I want to go do those things. But I think, no, I love God too much. And and look at how much he loves me. And that's why I want to walk with him. I realise I'm going to use kind, merciful, loving, all these different things a bit interchangeably because of the, the great, the amazing <coughs> sense of this word. But the other um, thing, it's interesting, we, we sang this first, uh, Adam led us in this song, Loyal Love. And actually, this is one of the key like, things about this kindness and this type of love, which is really like separates it from a lot of things is this sense of loyalty, okay? this sense of loyalty that comes with it. And again, in the world that we live in right now, that's not re- loyalty isn't really a feature of anything. Because again, it's what can I get for myself? I'm loyal only to me. I'm going to step over whoever I need to step over. I'm going to love someone while I feel like I love them. But as soon as I don't feel it anymore, I'm not really interested. No, love is loyal. Like God's kindness is loyal. His, his love is loyal, and so we see his kindness through that. So I, I, let's take a look. Uh, there's four stories, one in Matthew, one in Mark, one in Luke, one in John, that we're going to look at today uh, briefly to just look at different ways that Jesus is kind <coughs> in the way that he lived. So 
Matthew 8. If you're doing the reading plan and you're up to date, then today you'll have read this story. Don't worry if you're not. It's not a test. I'm not, guess, I'm not going to see who knows what, which story I'm going to read. And it's also just worth saying, I really had to like whittle down the stories. <laughs> when you try and find just one story per gospel to illustrate Jesus' kindness, you are uh, really struggling to, <laughs> to pick some. But I, I love this story. In um, Matthew 8, verses 1 to 4, it says, Large crowds followed Jesus as he came uh, down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached, uh, approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal and make me clean. I just want to pause there a second. I just, um, just to, again, you can, you can read stories like this and forget the significance. This man had leprosy, the, the touching of which you are, you are, you would have been quite likely to contract leprosy. It was a terrifying disease for people. They were, they were really scared of catching it because it was not a pleasant um, death. It would have been long-term. It would have been horrible. It would have been terrifying. Lepers at the time would have had to have worn bells around their neck so that if, um, if this bell rang, then you knew that there was a leper nearby and you could make space and, and get away and, and not be near them. They would live in colonies because nobody in kind of normal society would have anything to do with them. And the, the asking for, um, for this healing and the way that Jesus does this, to me, just really illustrates the kindness of God. Because it says then, Jesus reached out and touched him. This man... I'm kind of reading this into the text a little bit, but this man may have forgotten what it had been like to be touched by another human being. Mm. This man was cast away by everyone, and yet Jesus reaches out, touches him before he says anything, and says, I am willing, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared, and then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone, instead go to the priest and have him examine you, Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. And you know, Jesus' kindness extends beyond this touching. He then says, look, you might be afraid to do this, but what I need you to do now is go to the temple. You need to take these sacrifices because as soon as the temple declares you clean, you are going to be able, you're going to be restored to community. That bell can come off your neck. You can once again, you can not just be healed of this disease, but you can be healed of all the pain and the, the, the exclusion, the isolation. God, Jesus wants this complete healing. And it doesn't take much thinking about to see the kindness of God, in the kindness of Jesus in this action. It's beautiful. The next is in Mark 3, verses 1 to 5. Just to say, I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of kindness. It's a, a common story for people to think, I was so unlovable. I was so far away. I was so, you can feel like nobody could ever really touch you or come near to you. But yet Jesus comes in and, you know, we'll all have our own stories of what that looked like for us. But he comes in and he says, I am willing be clean. Be clean of all your sin. 
be clean of all the pain, be clean of it all, and brings us into a community. Yes. It's so beautiful. Mm. Mark 3, 1 to 5, the withered hand, um, says this. Jesus, when he went to the synagogue, again, uh, noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies were watching him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. And he turned to his critics and said, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily. He was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and he was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Jesus is so passionate about kindness, he's angered when he sees hard hearts. Hard hearts, I think, are the opposite of kindness. Their kindness is soft, it's compassionate, it's loving, it's merciful. Hard hearts are full of stone, they're angry, they're focused on laws and restrictions and punishing and these two things are so opposed and Jesus is willing to be so kind in this situation he's looking at people who are about to make a decision and set a course that's going to put Jesus on this cross well he puts himself on the cross but that's another story for another day but Jesus sets him sets this course for the sake of this man to be healed is it he says doesn't he does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? When Jesus is given the opportunity, he will always save a life. Yes. He is yeah. kind. And to his own detriment, to his own expense, he is willing to be kind. And isn't that a model for how we should live our life? To say, God, I want to be kind in a way that costs me, Lord. I want to be kind in a way that even though it might negatively affect me, I want to show something of what you're like and who you are. I want to love like that. I want to be kind like that. Uh, Luke 15, verses 1 to 7. Jesus is really passionate about making sure his disciples are kind. <laughs> Chapter 15, verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus' teaching. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. God, Jesus. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, look at what Jesus is doing. He's teaching people who actually need to be changed. It's like... Their, their hearts are so hard they just can't even see straight yeah. so Jesus told them this story a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost what will he do won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it and when he's found it he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders and when he arrives he will call together his friends and neighbours saying rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. 
In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and turns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Jesus is so kind that not only does he go and pick us up when we were so far from him, when we so didn't deserve it, he goes, picks us up, throws his throws us over his shoulder and then he comes back and he celebrates he i just i think of jesus i I had the privilege of leading a young man to the lord this morning and i just think however joyful i was jesus was gathering all the angels and all the saints and all in heaven going look what's happened rejoice with me because i found this sheep that's lost yes and i brought him home yeah. So wonderful. He's, and he's done that for every single one of us. Yeah. He did that for every single one of us. He rejoices because he's brought us home. He's so Amen. kind. Yes. And he's so um he's so concerned that his disciples show that same kindness. Mm-hmm. He's trying to teach people and show them this is the way to live your life. Mm-hmm. This is what you should be rejoicing over. This is what you should be happy about. Not just you know, I'm sure Jesus is he's not saying that it doesn't matter about all these other 99 that are righteous. Like, if one of those had wandered off, he'd be really happy about that one coming home. But he's just saying, this is great news. When somebody gets saved, don't look at them and look at what a mess they are. And, you know, when he brings back the sheep and it still needs cleaning up and it, you know, needs putting back together because it's stuck in the mud for a while. So just rejoice because it's come home. Yeah. And then finally, the last story, one of my favourite stories in the Bible, and I think, for me, personally, they're like one of the stories of the pinnacle of Jesus' kindness seen in the Scriptures. I love this story. John 8. And uh, I think this is a story that whether you're a man or a woman, we can all identify with, because we all um, have known this. I suppose that moment where you realise... The shame of your sin, but the forgiveness of God. And it's uh, John 8, verse 1 to 11. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. To let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when his accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And one of the ways that God shows kindness most obviously through the scriptures, through his mercy. Because when I started off saying that kindness is so often shown through to people when they don't deserve it. And actually the reality is, is none of us deserved his mercy. 
None of us were even close. Mm. We were all broken. We were all far away. We were all that lost sheep. We were all the person that needed healing. We were all the one who had been cast off and alone, separated from everyone or everything. Because the reality is we were all dead in our sin. But Jesus is the one who comes and says, where are your accusers? Mm. We don't have any. They're all gone. He says, I don't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. This is one thing that is really important for us to recognize. True kindness does not pretend that what we've done doesn't exist. True kindness is not like whitewashing over and pretending something didn't happen. True kindness that Jesus showed to this woman was not just to not condemn her, but it was also to point her in the direction she should go. True kindness comes alongside and says, hey, you are better than this. Go and sin no more. There's no condemnation for you in Jesus Christ, but don't do this again. You're better than this. It's time to change. It's time to walk in line and in step with the Spirit. And that's what he's like. He's kind. And I just want to pick up on this final um, thing on here. And it's in Micah 6, verse 8. Don't worry. I'm going to have just as much of a challenge of finding Micah as you are. It's in all the little books. Right before the um, New Testament, here we go, page 870, if you happen to have the same Bible as I do, probably not. Um, But Micah, don't ever be afraid to go to the contents page to look for it. Or you can just listen. Micah 6, verse 8, this is God instructing his people about what he likes, what he wants. O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I'm going to read this in a a different translation. It says, um, do justice, uh, sorry, it says um, what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do justice... And to love loving kindness. Pick up on that word again. Loving kindness. That hesed. And the thing about God is he never tells us to live or act in a way that he himself wouldn't do. Okay, So he, ne- he never requires me to be better than him. <laughs> okay, And so when I read this scripture, I realise this is what God is like. That he will do justice, but he loves loving kindness. And that to me speaks of this. Okay? If God has to do what you force, if you force God to do what he has to do, he will do it. God is going to bring a judgment one day. He's going to separate those who are in him from those who are far from him and those who have rejected him. He is going to do that. But he's only doing that because he has to. He's not going to delight in that. The the scripture tells us that God wishes all people to come to repentance. He wants all people to find him, but he gives us a choice. But if we will give him the chance, if we just give him an inch, he will take a mile (laughs) to show loving kindness, to show mercy. You only have to look at the thief on the cross, right? Thief on the cross next to Jesus. And what happens? Jesus, he says, Lord, can you basically make a space for me in your kingdom? Can you remember me 
when you go before God. And Jesus is like, today you'll be with me in paradise. What? <laughs> there's no sinner's prayer. There's no repentance. There's no acknowledgement of who he is and that he's a sinner. But just that, God, uh, Jesus, would you remember me in your kingdom? He recognises Jesus is a king. And Jesus is like, that'll do. <laughs> you can come with me. Because Jesus is looking for every reason to be kind. Every reason to show love. Every reason to not have to judge. Because he delights to show mercy. Yeah. And he wants us to do the same. Amen. I'm going to finish with this scripture. Titus 3 verse 4. I know I'm reading lots of scripture. I make no apologies for it. Good. Because it does a, the word of God does much, a much better job of describing Jesus than I do. So... Titus 3, verse 4, love these verses. But when our Saviour revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit on us through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, because of his grace he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And if that doesn't get you excited at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, there's nothing I can do for you. <laughs> Jesus is so kind. Yes, and he wants us to be kind. Yeah. And however kind I think he is, he's far better. My wife has a saying that she says all the time whenever we're thinking or talking about God and Jesus. And she just simply says... He has been nothing but kind to us. And that is true for all of us in this room. Yes. He has been nothing but yes. kind to us. Yeah. Though we might have walked through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because he is with us. Yes. He is nothing but kind to us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. So, you can enjoy that this afternoon. Enjoy the fact that he is kind, that he is good. You know, when we... Um, maybe get tempted to stray far from him, when we don't understand, uh, when, we, when we get tempted to walk away, do you know, so often that is because of a misunderstanding of what God is like. These, when we're talking about the attributes of God, I would just encourage you, take time not just to listen to them, where you can re-listen to these messages, but take time to really think about them. Because how we think about God matters so much yeah. because it will totally affect how we live our lives if i trust that god is kind i will trust him in a whole new way to a whole new dimension no matter what i'm going through i will say god you're you are kind to me and therefore whatever i'm going through right now i'm not going to blame you i'm going to lean on you to help me because you are the only hope i have you are nothing but kind to me you love me and i love you and i trust you because you're kind amen, amen. heavenly father i want to thank you that you showed us your kindness by sending us your son. Lord, there is nothing that you have done more kind than that to us. You have given us Jesus. And Lord, with his blood and with his body broken, you have saved us, you have redeemed us, and we love you and thank you for it. God, may we see your kindness that we are surrounded by all the time, even when we don't realise it. But would you help us, Holy Spirit, to recognise your kindness more and more and more so that we can praise you more and more and more and we can trust you more and more and more lord would you show us what you're like because you are the focus of our lives you are the joy of our hearts and you are the source of our life 
the mercy that's been poured out on us and the grace for this life we live now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.